was a puzzle before your very eyes. With each new configuration comes a ghoulish sacrifice. In this episode, what awaits their prize? I'm your host, Christian Fang, and that's my cue. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold on a sec, that didn't... That didn't rhyme at all. Welcome back, cuties, to another episode of That's My Cue, your one-stop podcast to get the latest reviews in all things TV shows, movies, albums, and games. As always, I'm your spooky host, Christian Ong, your favorite specter inspector, and I gotta say that ethereal body... Looking pretty good, y'all. Nice nice work. Nice chiseled abs. That's what I like to see. Keep up on your physical or metaphysical health. But today is an episode I feel like would be appropriate to have in time for spoopy season. And quick little survey. Is spoopy season a millennial phrase that just that Gen Z does not use? I feel like, you know, I, I don't have to necessarily appeal to that generation, but I, I kind of want to look like maybe like medium cool. So um, maybe on on the poll, I'll, I'll and I don't know if anyone notices, but I do ask like a question on Spotify uh, that pertains to the episode. So Let's make this this week's question. Is spoopy season a millennial thing? And I got to write that down because I'm pretty sure I'm going to forget that. And it might not be the actual question for the episode. But I know I promised Black Adam. And I know I promised, you know, uh, a bunch of different things in the past. Like a Cowboy Bebop review. But unlike the Cowboy Bebop review, uh, which I just feel like I flubbed the pronunciation of that just now. But I will do Black Adam. Just, just not now. I, I, I was so busy this week, and um, that's not a great excuse, but, you know, it is the reason why you're hearing Hellraiser this week. But it's also time for Halloween, so it's kind of serendipitous if you think about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited for Halloween, y'all. We're going to go, um, and by we, I mean uh, Kate and I, because we're one single unit. Um, but we're going to be hanging out with uh, West the Slayer. And also, uh, Jade, man, I have really become this weird shock jock kind of podcast host lately where I'm just kind of, you know, just going all over the place with my voice. But yeah, we're going to be uh, hanging out this Sunday, the day, the, the uh, day before Halloween, I guess Halloween Eve, whatever. But we're going to be dressing up. We're going to be, you know, uh, going on a double date double date and i'm excited um i know i'm not gonna post any photos on social media so i might as well tell you now kate and i were gonna go as peanut and i'll be dressed as butter basically i'm gonna be coating myself i know kate's probably listening to this right now just saying no no that's not what we're dressed as but you know sometimes i can just only hope that some ideas will go through y'all and by peanut i mean you know Kate will dress up as a giant peanut, and I'll just be in underwear, slathered completely in butter. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to have a partner that humbles you because Kate said that idea was completely stupid, and I agree. 
But uh, we're going to be going uh, as something else, and maybe I'll reveal that in next week's episode. But I'm excited. I don't. I, I forgot what Wes and Jade are going as. Um, I would be inherently mad if they did dress as peanut and butter. So um, stay tuned. Stay tuned. It's a, the story develops, so we'll find out. But, y'all, this week I'm excited to talk about a movie that I was um, – <clears throat> Looking forward to catching on Hulu. I kind of wish it got a theatrical release. Uh, I was a big fan of the original film uh, just through the recommendation of Wes and Jade. So shout out to them for putting me on to the original. But I think it's time to talk about the 2022 reboot Hellraiser, which was released on October 7th, 2022. Directed by David Bruckner, this movie stars Odessa Azion. Jamie Clayton, Adam Faison, and Drew Starkey. When a troubled young woman discovers a mysterious puzzle box, she realizes that sinister things are at play when demonic figures known as the Cenobites are summoned, blurring the lines between pain and pleasure. In order to save the ones that she loves, she must solve the puzzle to its very end in exchange for one wish from the hellish angels. Much like many other horror classics before it, Hellraiser is the latest to receive a reboot treatment that honors much of what made the original so enticing without also retreading its source material beat for beat. Fans of the original can easily dive into this without much comparison to Clive Barker's 1987 film, and instead, Hellraiser 2022 starts with a clean slate. Free from the lore from previous entries in the series, Hellraiser focuses on a plot that borrows uh, similar themes of greed and the price of desire that one would attribute to the original film, while also smartly restraining its use of its signature villains, making their scattered appearances all the more appealing. Odessa Azion's uh, central character can be at times frustrating in the choices that she makes, but Azion's performance itself of her grief and guilt makes for a compelling arc that grows all the more complex in the decisions that she makes. Jamie Clayton is the fourth actor to play the Hell Priest, borrowing elements from Doug Bradley's intense stoicness, maintaining a formidable menacing presence once she is on screen. In fact, the Cenobites' designs were Absolutely fantastic in evoking grotesque body horror with plenty of practical effects at work, which was refreshingly terrifying to look at. Hellraiser's plot, however, begins to severely pump the brakes on its already slow momentum by, I would say, the halfway point, and much of its events becomes riddled with horror tropes that it just becomes predictable but, uh, by the time you finish its lengthy two-hour run. Nothing feels inherently innovative in the way that it pushes the themes of the Hellraiser series itself, but plenty of what's offered on the table is still worth enjoying. As far as horror reboots go, Hellraiser 2022 may not be particularly fresh on its take on the series, but its avoidance of repeating the past, along with engaging performances and its technical design, makes it all the worth uh, to watch on Hulu. And I'm going to give this movie a 7 out of 10. Once again, you can exclusively watch this on Hulu, but like I said at the top of the episode, it would have been nice to see this in theaters as well because I think that the uh, soundtrack is great. It definitely would be would have been nice to see, you know, uh, the Cenobites in just glorious, you know, um, what what kind of you know, quick, quick question, if you know this. What resolution is being played on a movie screen? I want to see, like, it's definitely better than a 1080. I don't know. 
I don't care. But I, it would have been nice to see it on a big screen is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, let's go ahead and take a little spooky break. I'm just trying to figure out how I can make this transition a little more Halloween themed. But with that being said, while I try to come up with that, let's go ahead and uh, take a little break into the uh, Anchor ad. And when we come back, we'll dive into some listener reviews from you, the listener. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Today on our episode, we're talking all about Hellraiser 2022. And before we do any of that, let's go ahead and talk about some things that I'm currently into. First up, we have Bullet Train. And if you don't know what Bullet Train is, how could you not? There was literally so much marketing for this movie, I feel like I couldn't go anywhere without watching a trailer of Brad Pitt fighting people on a train to the tune of, you know, uh, Bee Gees' Staying Alive in Japanese. I could not have cared less about this movie, even though I knew it was just going to be like mindless action. I finally watched it with my family. And it was mindless action. I think if you are a big fan of Quentin Tarantino movies, which I gotta be honest, and I know a lot of people are gonna be like, how could you not? I, I'm not a fan, all right? Like, I'll, I'll watch a few of his movies, and I'm, you know, I'll, I'll dig it. Like, you know, Django Unchained, hell yeah, really good. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, also really good. Pulp Fiction, pfft. And I know, you know, probably a lot of people are probably going to be tooting out after that. But I got to say it. The man loves feet, and I will not have any of it. But, yeah, I don't know. Bullet Train, I don't know why. Tarantino is nowhere attached to this movie, at least I don't think. But it definitely feels evocative of that style. I think Brad Pitt kind of phones it in a little too much. uh, And the comedy just doesn't always land for me. Brian Tyree Henry... He's pretty good in this movie. I just don't really buy his British accent too well. And, um, yeah, the action's okay. I just, I feel like they showed everything that you needed to know in the trailer. I, I, there's no surprises, you know, uh, to behold when going into watching Bullet Train for the first time. So, take it what you will. Didn't really enjoy it. Up next, we have the finale for The Patient. This was a miniseries that I've talked about a couple times on TMQ that stars uh, Donald Gleason and Steve Carell. And I gotta say, I was gonna do a dedicated episode for this, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's not even worth the time to kind of spend on more than just what I'm doing right now. I, I would say The Patient had a great, you know, initial start with its premise, but just kind of ended on a really, you know, uh, subpar note. The The finale just was underwhelming, and yeah, I, I it was just something that I think people would have been able to call from miles away. So, I don't know. It's okay. I think it just kind of lost me halfway through the run, and I wasn't... And, I'm, and by run, I mean, you know, through the fourth episode or whatever. I just... I couldn't get invested to it, and I, and I feel like I was obligated to just finish it just because I wanted to know how it was going to end. And I hope that at some point it was going to pick itself back up because I love both of these actors, just not in this project. And I do hope that we get to see uh, them together on screen down the road sometime. 
And finally, on my currently list, I decided to dip back into an old favorite, and I've just been watching a lot of, uh, you know, it's been kind of hard to find something new to watch, right? And I and I think that if you have a, a show that you recommend, aside from House of Dr- uh, the Dragon, which I am, once again, going to lose a, some people here, but I'm not a big Game of Thrones person, so... By extension, I wouldn't be also into House of the Dragon. I know, I know, I should probably give it a chance, but yeah, I you know maybe I'll change my tune uh, in a few months and I'll just be like, y'all, have you seen Game of Thrones? Wait, actually, maybe all of y'all have seen Game of Thrones, but I, okay. That being said, I decided to just dip into some. I I would oddly call this a comfort show, but I think Nathan for you is one of my comfort shows. I. <laughs> Just discovered a lot of old clips again on TikTok, and I was like, you know what? I should just rewatch the show. Nathan for you still holds up, still very funny, even though I know it's coming. It is, you know, just impeccable in the way that you can kind of view it through multiple lenses of, you know, both the people on on camera, us the viewer, or even what it's what Nathan's trying to say about himself and capitalism. Yeah, it's it's very funny, and I've talked about his other show, The Rehearsal, before on TMQ, and I think I've also talked about, you know, Nathan For You as well, but yeah, go watch Nathan For You. That's also on Hulu. That's another hard recommendation that I can't stress out uh, even more than what I'm doing right now. But finally, our last segment for today, we're going to be talking all about some listener reviews that y'all have submitted over time. Now... I like to put out the call for listener reviews, and sometimes I'll get the reviews maybe after the episode, which is totally okay. And so let's go ahead and dip back into the candy bag of uh, listener reviews from y'all about what you had to say about Pearl and X. So on that episode, I gave uh, X an 8 out of 10, I gave Pearl a 9 out of 10, and our first review for those movies comes from Kate. You know, my my homie, my, my, my fiance, Kate. Kate, sorry for calling you my homie first, but yeah, homies for life till death do us part. Um, X and Pearl were such fun homages to different genres of horror. X felt like a fun, mindless slasher in a good way. I thoroughly enjoyed it and reminded me of Texas Chainsaw mixed with Evil Dead. Pearl definitely had a different vibe, but is more of a slow build towards all the demented parts, which is which made it worth it in the end. I give X and Pearl an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I would say, Kate, that, you know, um, like I mentioned before in that episode, Texas Chainsaw is definitely a big inspiration for this movie. Uh, but... Evil Dead, uh, that's interesting. I, I didn't really, you know, I, I guess maybe Evil Dead a little bit, but there, there wasn't so much of this, like, grotesque, um, supernatural element to it. So, um, yeah, I I think if if you're a fan of uh, just kind of that uh, campy horror movie, you're going to sit right at home with these movies. And I actually, you know, so a little uh, side tangent too. Uh, my mom has always wanted to see X. And what a, what a, uh, uh, what a movie to watch with your parents. But, um, you know, uh, that aside, I think it was interesting rewatching X in the context of knowing what happens in Pearl. And there's a lot of parallels to go about. And I think that if you have a chance to do a double feature of it, Definitely do it that way. It 
I feel like you'll you'll get a lot more uh, meat off the bones, um, pun in, not intended, I guess, uh, when you are able to check it out. And our next review for Pearl and X comes from Wes the Slayer. That's another sting. I just feel like if I do the if I do the vocal effects, you're not gonna hear what I'm saying. So it comes from Wes the Slayer, and Wes the Slayer for X writes a. Dare I saw uh, dare I say quote unquote fun slasher film that reminds me of classic 70s horror. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but in addition to stellar acting makes it definitely engrossing. The deaths were brutally fresh and the, t- the antagonists were not what I expected. 8 out of 10. And uh, Wes also writes for Pearl and says, I summarize this film as the basic premise of The Joker, but thrown on top of Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. This is a subtle thriller film where the deaths weren't flying left and right, but the danger is palpable, terrible, and never too far. There's a scene involving Mia Goth that should garner her an Oscar nomination for Best Actress. No, no lie slash sarcasm here. 6.5 out of 10. Interesting that Pearl got a, a lower score. I don't know. For me, I, I liked the uh, more whimsical, demented nature of Pearl. Um, yeah, I think if you're, if you're going in it purely for the body count and... I guess, oh, you know what? Maybe that was intentional because when you're describing horror movies, you use the term body count and then X and Pearl are definitely uh, sexually charged. And yeah, double entendres are are, are one heck of a thing. Anyways, um, yeah, I would say that Mia Goth is the goat in these movies. Uh, she is phenomenal. Should I say any more? Because I think I can keep singing her praises because I think that Pearl was absolutely a great vehicle for her to showcase her acting talents. She was terrifying in X, but she is also really twisted in Pearl. And I think that uh, Pearl is uh, possibly a good uh, mode for her to kind of take that role and, you know, propel herself upwards in Hollywood. So I look forward to seeing what she brings to the, you know, canon with Maxine. So I hope y'all stick around for TMQ when that episode comes out in, I guess, whenever they finish the movie. But let's go ahead and dip into some Hellraiser reviews. Thank y'all that submitted uh, reviews this week. Our first review comes from Bernie, the homie Bernie from high school, who writes, I saw the new one last week, and I thought it was good, but it's my first time watching any Hellraiser film. I just saw the first one yesterday. I was like, ooh, this creepy and disturbing. And yeah, I I, I was always terrified of Hellraiser when I would go into my uh, local blockbuster as a kid. I would see the box of the movie, um, and it is uh, Pinhead's design is just terrifying, and I think that makes, in retrospect, a great horror villain, um, not only just by you know uh, their portrayal, but also just by the pure fear and terror that instills um, into your brain when you're trying to sleep at night and you think of a scary horror villain. And I would say that Hellraiser's Pinhead or the Hell Priest sits at the top of that list. But yeah, the the original horror uh, classic, which is 1987's Hellraiser is surprisingly very restrained in showing Pinhead. Uh, uh, Like, 
Pinhead's barely in that movie. It's it's definitely more um, uh, body horror focused with the main antagonist just trying to get his body back. And it's very cool and, and icky. And I think that the special effects in that film holds up to this day. Kudos. I really like it. Our next review comes from Jade, who writes, As a fan of the original Hellraiser films, I think this remake captured the core elements of what we know and love from the 80s uh, horror classics, that being the visually gut-wrenching practical effects and creepy Cenobites. I didn't feel the writing added anything particularly new and exciting to the Hellraiser series plot-wise. That said, I found it equally entertaining and would say it is worth the watch for spooky season. Yeah. Interesting that you said spooky season. Is spooky season? Yeah, you know what? I already asked that question. But Hellraiser films, I gotta say, are probably something that I just need to binge through. I have yet to see the rest of the nine films out of the ten from the original canon. And I look forward to... I heard that Hellraiser 2 is really good. I, I think from what I've seen from other reviews that... You know, you have the original Hellraiser film, which is really good. Hellraiser 2, which some would debate is even better. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, but then you have this remake, which is also just as good. And then you have the others. But uh, I feel like this is a, a series that I don't really have to, like, turn on my brain too hard about. And I can just enjoy. Yes, I also agree, like I said in my review, that the writing isn't, Completely stellar, but it doesn't need to be. And our last review for the uh, the day comes from Wes the Slayer. Wanted to give a little more pizzazz that time. And Wes the Slayer says, Gotta start by saying, I'm super biased because I think the Hellraiser series is my favorite slash guilty pleasure horror franchise. My girlfriend and I think Pinhead is the greatest horror figure second to Freddy Krueger. This new reboot movie is a nice outing that combines the lore of multiple past movies and adds some new world-building context as well. The things it gets right. Gratuitous gore. Cheesy dialogue. Puzzles. Cenobite uh, depiction. The things it gets wrong. Not enough of the main baddie pinhead. No mention whatsoever of the number one phrase of the franchise, Come to Daddy. That that last one is super disappointing. 7.5 bloody limbs out of 10. And, yeah, like I said, I've, I've only seen the first one and, and then this remake. Did not know that Come the Daddy was the catchphrase of the movie. And I would like to think that Pinhead is the one that says, Come to Daddy all the time. And kind of like this. Come to Daddy. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like that. Wow. But, yeah, uh, Freddy Krueger, hard to top. Freddy Krueger is kind of a little, uh, little idiot that just kind of just likes messing with people. And what a little, uh, what a little, uh, scamp that guy. But, you know, Pinhead is very eloquent and stoic and just, you know, uh, speaks when Pinhead needs to speak. And who you call him, Pinhead? Shout out to my Spongebob fans. Man, what is going on? I Let's end this episode. If you want to share your thoughts on today's episode, or maybe you want to talk about Hellraiser with me after the fact, feel free to hit me up on Instagram at That's My Q Podcast or on Twitter at Q Podcast. You can also email the show at That's My Q Podcast at gmail.com 
where you can send as many suggestions on what I should review next. And trust me, if I'm dipping back into Nathan for you and I have nothing to watch, that means I need plenty of suggestions, except House of the Dragon. But, you know, make sure you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, where you can help boost attention for the show. The show, I gotta be transparent for you, has been growing really well the, the last few weeks. And thank y'all so much for the new listeners that have joined on. And if you're a new listener and listening to this right now, thank you so much for even getting to this point in the episode. Be sure to share the, your, the episode with a friend. Maybe this week, don't trick them. Just be like, hey... I gotta be honest with you. I love you. You're the best thing I have ever seen in my life, and I don't know what I would do without you. And then slam on some headphones onto their head, and then just like play the episode nonstop, and then also super glue the headphones to their um ears. Actually, don't do that. You know, we want them to have a good time when listening to this episode, like hopefully you are. But, of course, anything helps and the support is greatly appreciated. I gotta thank J1K for the use of their music, Captured Soul, from the School Days Beat Tape, which you can find on j1kmusic.bandcamp.com. Next week's episode, this time, for real, I'm gonna do Black Adam. For real. And I'm not gonna psych you out. I'm not gonna switch it up. I'm gonna do Black Adam. And if you have happened to see this in theaters, send in a mini-review. As soon as you listen to this episode. And um, I, as always, I got to leave you off with a quote, y'all. And this comes from none other than Pinhead themselves. And I'll, I'll do it in my normal voice. Whatever. I'm going to do it in a funny uh, vocoder kind of voice. Accept the pain you wrought. Greater delight awaits. We wish to see you proceed. Once again, I've been your host, Christian Ong, and... That's my cue.